and welcome to Magic in the Mind podcast, where spirituality and psychology intersect. Today, we are doing another interview. This interview is with Goddess Cece. Um, her real name is Sierra, and she just has an absolutely wonderful story of of being in the worst of religious trauma and still coming out of it, still fighting your way out of it and finding your way to whatever higher power you subscribe to and and really it's very inspirational. I did make a decision in the editing process of this video since I had not set any boundaries or rules beforehand about a triggering type topics, we ran into a few of them. We did run into a few triggering things and um, she was okay sharing them, but I know that doesn't mean that all of you will be okay hearing them. So, you know, as much as I would really like everyone to be able to hear this podcast, I have worked very, very hard to locate each trigger warning and, you know, warn you ahead of time, tell you how far to fast forward. I'm, I'm trying to do this the best way I can. Please just bear with me. And the whole last half of the podcast is trigger warning free, the last half. So when she's no longer talking about her childhood, then you know it's safe to listen to the rest of it. She has some absolutely beautiful quotes, beautiful little snippets and nuggets of information that I don't want anybody to miss out on. So, I will give you a trigger warning. I will tell you how long that trigger will be on the air. And I hope you can make it through. I hope you're willing to work with me on that. Um, I went to a lot of trouble, a lot of work to uh, get this situated correctly. Let's all move forward with the intention of learning and understanding. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Alice Strange, and you are here with me today at Magic in the Mind podcast, where psychology and spirituality intersect. Today, I am happy to introduce to you guys someone very special. This is Goddess Cece. Can you go ahead and say hi? Hi, everyone. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe some titles or, or how would you prefer to be referred to? Um, well, everyone tends to call me Goddess Cece because they like to be very respectful of the fact that they they feel, believe like, hey, you know, she, she's a goddess in her own skin, in her own nature. She, she, she exudes the energy that, you know, is being put out there or being shown. Um, but I am a spiritual life coach and practitioner. I am certified both as a spiritual life coach and a master spiritual life coach and practitioner. Um, I have two different certifications. And so uh, I am preferably a spiritual life coach. However, my first name is actually Sierra. Um, I just prefer to be called Cece. Yeah. Wonderful. And not to just come in with the hot takes right off the bat, but man, I love that goddess energy. You do very much give <laughs> off a 
just like not like a full of yourself kind of way just a I'm living it and it's good like I'm I'm that's my vibe I love it <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely um because of a lot of the things that I've been through and experienced I tend to walk in that energy unapologetically if I could say that I mm, I love that word I love <laughs> everything about authenticity I, yeah <laughs> agree there so moving into kind of some of our questions that we have today, first of all, I'd really like you to give a bit of your background, maybe about how you grew up or like what your childhood was like, kind of what set you in this direction way before anybody even knew about it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to try to tell a long story short. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not great at that, but I will uh, do my best. Um, so I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and so that's my hometown. Um, for most of the people that know me from New Orleans, it's Nolens, uh, mm -hmm. or New Orleans. Um, <laughs> that's the way that they would normally say it, or we would say it if we had that um, Southern accent. Um, the Southern accent only comes out in, in, in other occasions. Um, so basically yeah. in my childhood, I grew up in the church. So my dad was a pastor. Um, so in my childhood, I was born and raised in Baptist. And then my dad, he changed his views over the years. So he went Baptist, um, in Christianity. Um, and then he went non-denominational before he died. Um, and he died when I was about 16 years old. Um, and so fast forwarding uh, throughout the time in church, I always sung in church. I always did prayers. I always, um, you know, helped to run things in church with my father. Um, and even as I got older, uh, when he passed away, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and marry a pastor or a minister in, in honor of my father. And so um, all my life, I've been a, a spiritual type individual coming from church, being in church, that that was kind of my background. And, and, and it, I didn't have an easy background either. We were poor. We had, a, it was a little bit of, you know, poverty level down there. Um, my family was split. My real mom kept me away from my dad for a time frame. So, and she was Christian too. So I kind of was raised differently between the both of them. It was a, it was a mixed type of atmosphere because once I left my mom and went back to my father, um, you know, my mom didn't really have anything to do with me. So my childhood was not the easiest. It's one of those uh, stereotypical mental and physical abusive type of broken home childhoods, to be very honest. Yeah. So on your website for your spiritual life coaching and those kind of things, I took a peek. I took a look around um, and you talk a lot about your heritage and just how I think you use the word discovered it. And so can we talk about that? Whatever you're comfortable sharing with us? Um, sure. So um, before my dad passed away, I was about 14 years old um, and he would look at me and he would be like, always do your research. Um, and before he passed away, he started doing different things like incorporating uh, Catholic, uh, uh, pr uh, praying to the the, um, the Catholicism ways where they would pray to Mary. 
um, and some of the things that they were doing. So he started doing that. And then my dad started talking about um, astral projection. He would be like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to lay hands on you until you speak in tongues. And then this next night, we're all going to get together and everyone's going to lay in the bed and we're going to all try to astro project. And I would look at my dad and go, what? <laughs> you were Christian. What is this? <laughs> so um, he would sit with me when everyone was getting ready for church because down South, sometimes the preachers there used to have church in their homes. And so we would have church in our home. And um, while everyone was still getting ready, my step family, he would be like, baby girl, if I, if you don't remember anything, I want you to always, always research. Never just take what you hear at face value and just go by that, right? Um, so coming from New Orleans, Louisiana, I knew that voodoo and hoodoo was in my heritage. Um, when my dad got older, he began to get the uh, changing eye colors before he passed away. And so I began to find okay. out from him that I had Native American in my heritage as well. Um, so I'm Native American, African American, and Creole. Okay. So I began to study a lot that was associated with those, um, you know, those races that, you know, that type of heritage. Um so throughout my studies, I began to find out about hoodoo, voodoo, um, you know, casting spells, um, a little bit more about, you know, prayer, manifestation, etc. I more so looked into the truth about how voodoo works because voodoo is closed, hoodoo is open. And so with voodoo, it has to be uh, kind of passed down or you have to have a direct line of access to it if your family were slaves. So there's a there's a lot that goes on behind a lot of this this history. When I began to do my research and I found loopholes in Christianity, I began to study everything. Um because certain things didn't make sense to me. Why were these books missing? Why was this gone? Why was this taken? Um and I began to learn that Christianity was kind of uh, pushed on the indigenous people. Um, and so those who were um, Palomayambe, uh, Voodoo, Hoodoo, uh, Native American practices, um, and so many other practices that are, you know, geared around Hoodoo and Voodoo, well, Christianity was kind of pushed in on those people. And so was Catholicism. Um, and I began to find out that our ancestors actually connected Christianity and or Catholicism to their hoodoo and voodoo workings uh, to protect themselves so that they did not um, become unalived. So kind of looking into all of that was a bit of a shock for me. And that's kind of what made me start digging deeper. Right. I, I, I started looking into Christianity first before I looked into my history. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Starting from where you already kind of have a little bit of like an idea what it involves and then kind of building off of yeah. that. Mm -hmm. probably because there's a lot saying. of mixed stories. There, there's a lot of mixed stories yeah. around Christianity. You have, you know, um, and <laughs> and I read books that are older than me and you and anyone put together. Like I, li I like to read books that are in the 1500s, 16, 17, 1800s to give real information before what we get today. 
And when you find out stuff like, you know, one story says that Jesus was born during this time frame, but another story says something different. And then this story says he was born of a virgin, but this other story says he was born of a harlot. You go, okay, something ain't right. (laughs) So I do relate to that starting at Christianity and then all of it being flipped on its head and like, wait, like none of that makes sense. And, and hearing about, you know, oh, well, they, they picked the books of the Bible they liked and then they burn the rest of them. And that's yeah. some serious uh, secrecy going on that a lot of people today still don't even know. No, they actually don't because you, when you look at Christianity, right? I, I'm the type of person, I believe that your spiritual belief system, your walk, your religion, um, it's all based upon what resonates with you because I believe that the divine, I believe that God, I believe it's all connected to one divine whole. It's two sides of the same coin or all sides of the same coin that's basically taught differently to different sectors of people. That's what I believe. Um, And I don't see anything wrong with the fact that people do have a belief in Christianity or any other belief system. Um, I just don't like the, the missing information that's not being told. Um, Like there, when I dug at 14, 15, and 16 years old, I'm checking into the Council of Nicaea. I'm finding out that King mm-hmm. James was writing the the Dia monologue because he was obsessed with black magic because he thought black magic unalived his wife. Um, just so many different things that I ran across from even the Roman Catholics being connected to a lot of the books that are missing in the Bible. You're a completely different sector. What do you have to do with our belief system, supposedly? Mm-hmm. You, you you stay over there with what you teach and preach. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, that was confusing to me. And I kept digging because I was like, oh, no. And then I found out about slave Bibles and so many other things, um, including a lot of things I experienced with my uh, ex-husband at the time running a church um, as a first lady. So there was a lot of things that transpired that just made me be like, I can't do it. Trigger warning, coming up, we're speaking about grooming and illegal relationships. If that's not safe for you, 30 seconds worth of time will get you exactly over the hump and you can continue with this podcast. Right. I started making the discovery around um, 15, 16. I got married at 18 to a minister who was 32. I was almost being groomed in Christianity. Mm. So it's a lot of a backstory that people don't understand. So my. (laughs) You do not have to go into that if you do not want to. (laughs) My ex-husband and his lover at the time. Um. And I have nothing against the LGBTQ community. I feel like you should always be open and honest and give a person the opportunity to choose to want to deal with you. Uh, In the event, you go both ways or always. And I say that openly because, well, you know, I am the B in the LGBTQ community. So I have no problem with being honest about that type of thing. You know, people don't like it. Oh, well. Um, During that time frame, my ex-husband and his lover, which proclaimed to be the apostle, the apostle, excuse me, and then he was the pastor. Uh, both of them were running their, you know, little church together. 
and ran across me from New Orleans, Louisiana, my mother from New Orleans, Louisiana, step stepbrother and stepsister. Um, and then we all connected at some sort of church event. Um, and the pastor, I'm not going to say his name for, you know, I'll be kind. I won't, I'll leave his name out. You know, my, my marriage records is out there if people want to be nosy. <laughs> um, but another trigger warning coming out. We are going to be talking about illegal relationships due to age and some more of the grooming type talk. If you'd like to skip that, you can go ahead and fast forward just about exactly 30 seconds and you'll be just fine. My uh, ex-husband at the time was 32 and um, I was 16 when we started dating. I was just turning 17. Um, and so we got married when I turned 18 and then um, his lover got married to my stepsister. Um, and so they basically tried to groom us into their ways, which was Pentecostal. So now mind you, I went from Baptist to non-denominational to whatever my dad was doing to Pentecostal. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a that's a mixed bag uh yes it's kind of i just i don't i don't this might be a little bit of a toxic positivity moment but i honestly just feel like in the end there's just so many things that already that we've just covered in this first little chunk that all came together to like form this like who you are and like all the things you're wise about because mm -hmm. you've literally been there you've you've mm -hmm. done so many things and you've you've witnessed so many different types of practices it even just in the so far <laughs> it never is that an okay thing the way the universe works out sometimes hurts us as people yes <laughs> and, and you just gotta keep going <laughs> you, you you do um you do and sometimes it's hard um, for me, it was a very touchy situation to be a first lady at a very young age, but I was also very, I was very wise, always was. Um, they would let me run the women's department when my older sister, who was the apostle's wife, should have been running the women's department. But me at 18 and, and 19 and 20, they were uh, allowing me to run it because I carried myself different. I had, you know, knowledge. I had the understanding. I, I was in college at the time for my for my associates in business. Um, I, I I just carried myself a different way, knew many things, and didn't have a problem expressing what I known. I was always a research bug. <laughs> right, right. Um, I have to find the original term of words and etymology. I have to go all the way back. I'm I'm just I don't let things slide. <laughs> right. I'm I'm so much that kind of person too. The the thing that really gets under my skin is when people are like, "Oh, what does that word mean?" Ah, never mind. I'm like, "You're not going to Google that. You're not going to like go. F you don't know. Like, you how do you spell it? Like, if you're not checking, how do you? So, I mean, yeah, it it can get annoying to other people, but I always research everything as well, and those are uh." <laughs> Good traits, usually very good traits to have. I, my, in my personal opinion, most definitely, I agree. 
Um, now, I, I remember you asking me something a little bit earlier about how did, like, how the transition happened. Like, yes. what, what happened with, you know, I heard you say something about how, oh, um, what made him end up being the ex. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. How and then all we connect? got into how problematic it was. <laughs> and so, like, were you just, like, get, getting safe, I guess? Like, is, is that you just needed to, like, I have very few words. Um, <laughs> the question so, I asked was, like, is it, was it the spiritual you digging and finding things? No, was so that actually that was the one thing that me and him had in common. He wanted to be the best person that he could possibly be, even though he was a crappy husband and crappy father. When it came to spirituality and it came to God, he wanted to make sure if he was preaching to the people that he was not using people. That was the one thing me and him had in common that made us get along. He would always research with me. We were always digging. Um, what made me really dig into my heritage was after the breakup. So I broke up with him. Um, a couple years into the relationship, found out that he was uh, still sleeping with his best friend, which was the Apostle. So mm. uh, basically, they're pastors and they were undercover gay. Um, do I have a problem with anyone in the LGBTQ community? Absolutely not. Um, do I feel that what they did was horrible? Yes, because you should let someone know what your um, sexuality is. I think that's yeah. extremely important. Um, and if you go a certain way, you should give someone the opportunity to say, hey, okay, I'll still deal with you. Thank you for being honest. Or you know what? No, that's not going to work for me. Um, Absolutely. So long story short, I went through a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil, a lot of frustration. I had children. Um, I'm in college. I'm cooking, cleaning, taking care of everything, helping run a church. He's not working. He's claiming that doing the will of God will, you know, take care of the bills. Um, <laughs> we'll probably have to do another segment to really talk about my life as a first lady because it was very interesting. Um, but to fast forward, I begin to realize I did not want to be a part of the sector of Christianity that I saw. Not only my research, but experiencing watching the pastors out here in Nevada, the way that they would treat people, the way that they would uh, be money hungry, the way that they would uh, expect for people to pay for their dry cleaning, pay for their food, pay for this, pay for that. It was just, it was real weird to me because I was like, well, aren't we supposed to be preaching the word of God? And if people want to give to us, you know, or buy our books or buy our tapes that, you know, that's okay. But like, why are you forcing people to pay for your, your goods? Why, why are you forcing people to pay for your rent, your car note? Your, it was, it was weird to me. It was starting to become very clicky. Um, and I was also the one person in Christianity in my sector who did not tell people to follow the Bible. Mm. I told people to follow their heart and what resonates with them through helping them with their issues, their questions and their concerns. I did not force them to. And I think that's where people didn't like me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I can see that your history, your childhood was like steeped in Christianity and some odd experiences with your father. And so I kind of wonder where did your life change in, in kind of like a spiritual awakening type of way? Okay. Um, I'm going to be very honest with you. Even though I had strange experiences with my father and I had strange experiences with my ex-husband, I always still believe that there was a God in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, I would have to say I already started kind of making the change when I was younger. Trigger warning. In the next uh, 20 seconds or so, we're going to be talking about child abuse and sexual abuse. If that's not something good for you, um, go ahead and fast forward through those 20 seconds. After my own father molested me, I would slowly but surely start making the change and and really realizing like my gift was different. There were some experiences that comes all the way from my childhood. Um, I had my spiritual awakening, even though I was working in Christianity for years, I had my spiritual awakening about eight years ago in 2015. So you can say that for the past, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 years, I've been helping people spiritually. But one of the gifts that I have, I've had since my childhood. So I think I've always been somewhat spiritually awakened. I just fully arrived in 2015. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. That's a beautiful way to put it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you've had at least one of your gifts since you were very young. Um, mm-hmm. Can I ask you what gifts you do have and what that one in particular is and like all about the the gifts and, and what you found in yourself? Oh, man. Um, I can tell you, honestly, as of right now, I know for a fact I'm an energy healer. Um, I choose not to use them. I don't want uh, the energy healing. I don't want to look like a, a spectacle where I'm you know, healing people via Zoom and people are like, oh, that's mm-hmm. weird. Um, <laughs> but we, I used to lay hands on people on, in the church all the time. There was never any negative spirit associated with anything that I did. Um, one of the gifts that I've had since my childhood. So I feel that I'm an energy healer. I know that I am. I used to do it in church. Um, though that's the one gift um, that I don't use openly as of yet because you know people are weirded by that it's like the church can lay hands on people to heal people and then because we're not a part of the church they're like "Ooh, what are you doing and it's like it's the same thing guys chill like (laughs) um so outside of being a energy healer I'm a seer um I have been able to see since my childhood. I can see and possibly foretell the future. It's not something that just happens on a whim to where it's like, oh, you know, I can tell you today that who's going to win the presidency. It's not not that deep. It can be for some people who sit and meditate for hours and they just converse with the spirit on an 
a 24-7 basis, those people are more connected to the divine and connected to God than you would imagine. Um, For me, what made me realize I had the ability to see uh, was in my childhood. My, My mother, she would look at me and she would be like, okay, so close your eyes and tell me what you see. And so the way God used to work with me is I used to see people's robes. And when I was a child, I was like maybe 11, 12. I would see robes. And so you right now, if I was 11, 12 years old, I could close my eyes and see um, a different color robe for you. So a a tarnished and um, a tore up crazy looking robe, like old looking robe uh, would mean that they had a negative spirit, that they had a a evil spirit that they had a bad spirit the role would the crown would be of thorns they it would just be very very dark type of robe and then you know if they were in the in the middle it would be the it would be a silver robe and the crown would have a few jewels and um or it would be a gold robe and the 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 crown would have diamonds and you know cuz diamonds are more expensive than certain jewels mm-hmm. and i would see stuff like that as a as a child and then if they were, you know, beautiful people, but had a negative space in their heart, in the heart area, I would see like a dark heart. I would see a a dark shadow of a heart on the robe. And it would basically tell me as a child, like, hey, they're a good person, but in that heart area, they're, you know, more, more evil or, you know, it was, there was a weird thing that used to happen to me in my childhood. And I (laughs) thought that it was very interesting because I would be like, so okay, God, what is this? Like, I never understood, but my mom would always ask me about everyone that was around us, like, close your eyes and tell me what it looked like. Um, And I'll never forget my mom didn't like it because one time I told her that her robe was um, silver, but the area in her heart area was black. And so I'm looking at my mom and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm innocent. Like, I have no, you know, um, so that That was one of the ways that I used to see when I was younger. And then when she kept me from my father and at 12 years old, I got a chance to reconnect with my father and she finally told him where I was. She said, you know, hey, this child's a demon, come get her. And I'm like, "Oh wow, that's great for the mom who doesn't even teach me how to take care of myself, wash my clothes, do my hair or feed myself. I'm doing everything for myself at 11. Sure. I'm a demon. Um, (laughs) so my dad comes to get me. And when I, I start growing in my spiritual gift and I start seeing things in my dreams. I'm going to insert another trigger warning. This one is about death. Um, and there's a fictional, version of it and a or a dream version of it and also a real version um but it is non-graphic nothing is gross i just thought maybe some people wouldn't want to hear about death today so that would take about 50 seconds to skip the story so you can go ahead and do that if you feel like you need to When I was 15, I saw my dad pass away and I'm running and I'm going down streets and doing turns and um, I'm seeing different events and different areas and different surroundings. And I'm running to literally get to my father's funeral in this dream. I'm 15. 
Um, and I will never forget this dream because I woke up in a sweat. I said, I said, Dad, I just, I just had, I, I had a, I had a dream that you passed away. I was running and I was going to you. I, I don't know. I, I was frantic. He yeah. said, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt what I dreamed was going to happen. And so a year later, and and this is the one part I don't like about my gift because I don't like seeing death, even though I understand it's a transition. So a year later, I'm 16 years old. And exactly what happened in my dream began to happen in real life. We're sitting in church. He closed down the, the doors to the church of our home like two weeks before this. So he literally, we, you know, we're at church um, and he begins to convulsed sitting in the seat after he gave a word of blessing to the preacher. And I'm running down the street because before, and this is why you have to be very, very careful with what you do as a spiritual person. Before all this happened, my stepsister prophesied to him and told him to stop taking his insulin. And for everyone who is listening, if you prophesy something to someone, you always tell them to make to do whatever they do with their spiritual practices and also connect it with a regular doctor, holistic doctor, regular doctor, have both. Never yeah. <laughs> take anything Absolutely. at face value that will mess up your life. Um, sorry, I needed to say that tidbit, but she literally said that he stopped taking his insulin and then right on this particular day when we're in church he goes into a diabetic coma and so I'm running down the street because I'm trying to go get his insulin and the turns are reminding me of my dream and I Mm -hmm. said okay God I'm running down the street I said tell me this is not this can't be this I hope this isn't my dream and I remember this I'm like I'm 16 so there's no way I would forget that And so lo and behold, I get to the house, I get the insulin, I'm crying, I'm in tears, and he dies a couple days later. From that point on, I was scared of my gift because everything that I would see in my dreams would just freaking happen. Right, right. Um, So (laughs) I know for a fact that I'm a seer. That's not the only time I've seen someone pass away and was able to see it ahead of time or someone go in the hospital or even someone thinking that they could talk about me behind my back. I can hear conversations. I'm very intuitive um, for whatever reason God made me that way. Um, So I would say I'm a seer. I'm an energy healer. I'm a bit of a medium, but I don't like to use my mediumship gifts because I don't like talking to the dead. (laughs) I don't um, think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, so I, I use the majority of those gifts. So if you would say that I'm a psychic, I wouldn't say psychic. I would say more uh, that I'm a seer. Um, I would, I would say I'm very intuitive. I have my clairaudient and my my clairvoyant gifts are very active, um, without a shadow of a doubt. Even when I do tarot readings, so. I would say those are my main gifts. How did I go about developing these gifts? Most of them came from my childhood and a lot of my development came through meditation. Um, because when I when I had my spiritual awakening, I was in a dark place and there was no one there to help me. Um, everyone turned their back on me because I left the church. And so it was me, my research, and my praying and meditating. 
Um, that's a full-on hermit mode. Like, like that's like you pulling the hermit card, like right off the top. And that, that I don't know. It just very much. I would call that hermiting. You know, being yeah. with yourself and yes. and the divine and whatever. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the main reasons why I was excited to even do this interview today is because I believe that both uh, the magic and the mind is intertwined. When I went through my spiritual awakening, when I was in about, I think I was in darkness for maybe three to five years. I don't fully remember because it was a very dark time. But I left the church and said, you know, hey, this isn't for me. Um, you can keep my ministerial ordination because uh, I was on the way to being ordained ordained as a prophetess. And a prophetess is the same thing as a seer. They foretell. Um, okay. But, you know, well, I'll leave that for another time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had them keep that ordination. And I will never forget. This is the main thing that made me really realize God was with me all the way. My ex-husband said, because you don't want this marriage anymore, and I will never forget these words because it was life-changing. Because you don't want this marriage anymore, you are walking away from the will of God. And God said, everything around you will crumble and you will not be successful because you are leaving the will of God by leaving this marriage. And I will never forget those words because he spoke so much darkness and damnation and sickness upon me. If I remember correctly, he spoke this upon me in 2000 and maybe 12. And I was in a dark place until 2015. Honestly, if I can be vulnerable about it, you telling me that story, I, oh, my, my empathicness is just, oh, it hurts. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm only feeling a fraction, but damn that's strong yeah <laughs> and um mentally it affected me mentally i was in a place of not living and being around certain i was around certain types of people that i would never allow myself to be connected to uh home looked like a trap house he kept the kids and moved to chicago and kept them for five years from me and i just I experienced so much craziness throughout this journey the only thing I never went lacking on was money. Like God was like, yep, you can have this job. I got you. I got you. I got you. I would always work. I never had a problem in that area. No matter how much damnation he spoke against me, God was like, yeah, she going to be sustained though. Whatever. <laughs> but I began to have anxiety attacks through all the stress. Um, mm. My anxiety and panic attacks were up to three, four, five, six, seven times a day. I, oh I was stressed out. I was distraught. I was, you know, I'm sitting up there thinking, I'm like, no, there's no way that I'm leaving the will of God to do better for myself um, and, and mm -hmm. still connected with God. And you're telling me that I will not be successful, that everything will fall and crumble you know, no, there's no way. And I'm trying to fight that in my mind. And through those moments of darkness, whoo child, I was promiscuous. I was extra. I was, I was, I'm surprised that I'm okay till this day because I know that I was drinking my liver away. Um, <laughs> but in 2015, I 
went to the doctor. And this is where my additional studies came in. I went to the doctor so many times because I thought something was wrong with my heart because the anxiety mm -hmm. wouldn't stop. The panic attacks begin to continue. It began to get worse. All right, popping in one last time. This is less of a trigger warning and more of a, we'll talk about this later at the end of the episode warning, but um, there will be some, some language around taking medication and, and we'll discuss that at the end of the interview. And I wouldn't take the medicine. You're not gonna make me a vegetable. Um, so I began the research and I sat back and I said, no, something isn't right. Something isn't right. I was like, research, research. You know how you work, you know how you work. I'm like, okay, so. I'm looking for, I'm like, okay, church isn't helping me. They don't care about me because I believe different now. So what can help with anxiety attacks? And out of the blue, I begin to see meditation. I begin to understand how, whether you're spiritual or not, how very healthy meditation is for the mind. I begin to run across chakras and energy. And I studied and researched why my energy was all messed up and how I was beginning to have the anxiety attacks because my root chakra was out of balance. Um, mm. And I began to just look through, I even did a study on the subconscious mind. And I began to realize that every single thing that I went through in my childhood, from my stepfamily to my father to my ex-husband, everything that they had done in a way that was full of trauma was sitting in my subconscious mind and literally ruling my life. Yeah. And that's where I begin to awaken. I begin to meditate. I had a full awakening. I begin to research and I begin to formulate my mind in a way to understand that I am now the one holding myself down because I'm accepting what I'm being told as life, as exactly that. And with accepting this, I'm basically... I'm basically allowing the negativity to reign and rule over every aspect of my life instead of combating it and understanding that you have control over your life, both good or bad, and the decision is within you and what you do, what you practice, and how you incorporate things in your life. Once I realized that, my research... Oh God, I was up till like 4 a.m. in the morning. I mean, and that's where I found the Solomonic studies. That's where I connected with God. That's where I connected with angels. That's where I looked into Tara. That's where I understood manifesting law of attraction. Oh, I started digging. <laughs> you, you finally hit, hit the jackpot and it just everywhere. Yeah. Till this day, I haven't had an anxiety attack after I fully uh, begin to put meditation into a daily practice. I probably haven't an I haven't had an anxiety attack in I'm gonna say six and a half, seven years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And especially at the severity they were at. That's incredible. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure it was. Yeah, man. And that's that's so what's the word? That's so much of what we need to hear. You know, I 
I think that for some people, medication is the right option. If you yeah. can take it and function as who you feel you authentically are, you know, if you feel like the medication kind of pulls out, but we need the holistic doctors of the past that, you know, I feel like they kind of had it figured out back then. They just didn't have like the science yet. So, you know, Correct. we got to look at the, the whole body, mind, and spirit and combine all of those things, do the meditation, look at the chakras, but like also, okay. When, when we've taken every, you know, they do the least invasive methods, you know, once we've worked through all the easy steps, like that, like triples the amount of treatments. If you just look at what spiritualist type people do. And I mean, it works. I personally don't have a story like that, but I know a lot of people who have had just miraculous results with uh, simply finding a regular spiritual practice. And yes. I mean, of course, like, and you actually there are so don't many have to have a regular spiritual practice. You can just be an avid meditator um, and meditating tends to affect a lot of areas of the brain along with your immune system mm -hmm. and nervous system. Yes. Yes. It's incredible what it can do. Um, one of my first episodes on here was about meditation and uh, goodness, it's, it's just mind blowing the, the studies that have been done and we aren't just like prescribing meditation to people. Like it's so <laughs> helpful in so many cases, but you know, of course there's a large amount of people who would rather swallow a pill than sit and, and that's the bad thing because ultimately <laughs> pills are formulated with some of the same yeah. stuff that vaccines are formulated with you have to be very careful what you're putting into your body herbs do dr cb wasn't wrong in most of the stuff that he was talking about it's just you just have to incorporate your holistic practices with whatever the doctor is telling you like if the doctor tells you you will freaking die if you don't take a specific thing take that and then go to a holistic doctor like yeah listen they're telling me i will die if i'm not taking a specific thing but what other herbal remedies could i possibly take that won't interact with this that'll make me better you can connect that who says that you cannot practice no. holistically you absolutely can you absolutely can <laughs> i i think i think it's one of those things that people are saying more and more that yes. it's okay to look into modern medicine and also holistic herbal natural medicine like all of that is okay you can do them all at once that's probably how we all should do it in my opinion but yes you know and then it gets a little worse when you talk about like the funding and the money and the poverty and the i mean we could go through a whole downward spiral there but <laughs> uh, we'll pass on that we'll, we'll pass on that one today because i'll definitely listen i don't mind having that conversation I'll be, <laughs> i'm gonna be good i'm gonna be good <laughs> so on your website you have things listed such as voodoo hoodoo uh Sol solomonic if I'm saying it correct, uh, mm -hmm. studies and you, uh, tarot manifesting, casting spells, uh, very like esoteric knowledge and communications with gods, angels, familiars, and lower level entities. And this is 
such just a, an impressive and vast number of skills for one person to possess. So, I mean, I do have a lot of questions about this, but uh, are there any, any of these things that have like come from your heritage and, and how do you use these practices? Like, outside of your business with your daily or monthly, weekly, bi-weekly routine? Like what does all that look like? Um, <laughs> that's actually a great question. So when I do my conversations on Saturday on TikTok, um, I rarely talk about what I believe in because sometimes people can be, you know, weird. They, they don't have the respect to understand that everyone's walk is different. Um, so for me, some of it comes from my heritage and most of it comes from my studies. Um, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana, I am definitely connected to voodoo in, in my heritage, uh, voodoo and hoodoo. Um, and, um, I have, I kind of mix and match, excuse me, I kind of mix and match what works for me in my spiritual life. Um, when I say esoteric knowledge or I talk about voodoo, um, the voodoo things that I would use, which was particularly, the Lord have mercy, <laughs> the, the things of voodoo that I would use that is um, mostly from like Haiti and New Orleans, Louisiana, um, it explores like connecting with spirits, deities, um, etc. to call upon them for like guidance, protection, healing, um, ceremonies, chanting, um, you know, some animal sacrifices and things of that nature. But I don't do that portion. I don't do animal sacrifices. Um, when I connect with deities, I kind of give a general reverence to my ancestors and or deities. Um, I will leave water on my altar. Sometimes I will put fruit on my altar or bread on my altar, um, just in reverence. Um, but unless you are initiated into a ATR, which is a African traditional religion, um, there are some things and some ceremonial ways associated with voodoo that you cannot do. Um, and I will not initiate. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean that I have anything against my heritage. It's just not for me. Um, right. I feel that I am in a different place. I'm more eclectic. I pull, like I said, what works for me. Um, so with hoodoo, I do a little bit of root work. It's normally burning herbs and ancestral money, um, writing chants and or spells. Um, the way that my daily um routine or the, the way that I tend to do things outside of my business is connected to a mix of voodoo and hoodoo, my Solomonic studies and and Tara. Um and the reason why I say that is because my Solomonic studies and voodoo is where, you know, I've used that to connect with certain deities and or beings. Um on a day-to-day -day basis I'll wake up and I say a specific affirmation connected to the day of the week connected to the planet for that day connected to the chakra for that specific day and or planet so i say a set of affirmations and light a particular candle color 
associated with that. Um, and it's it's different for every day. You know, example, Monday is right. the moon. Um, Saturday is Saturn. Um, right. You know, things like that. And a lot of people don't know that the planets are connected to the week like that, but they are. Um, all you have to do is look at the days of the week in Spanish, and it's literally the planet's name. But <laughs> if I tell people that, they'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> um, so... I will do that, but that's not all I do. I will read mm-hmm. myself my own tarot or my own oracle cards. I will say a particular prayer or write up a particular chant. Um, manifesting and, and being the type of person that I am comes in repetition. You you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna repeat the things that you're putting out there into the atmosphere. You wanna chant it, you wanna say it with power, you wanna say it with reverence, you wanna say it with conviction. Um, it's just like if in the church, they used to make us pray and try to manifest for something to happen by all coming together and having a prayer meeting and speaking in, you know, tongues for hours. Did you just compare Christianity prayer groups to manifestation and like witchcraft? Almost? I sure did. I sure did. And I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because a lot of people are very lost on the subject. Think about it. When I was in church. We used to speak in tongues and we used to pray, Mm -hmm. but we had a specific, if we came into a prayer service, there was a specific thing we were asking God for. So we would Mm -hmm. pray until it happened or that we, that we believed it possibly happened when we got done with that prayer service. Well, you do the same thing over here on this side of the equator in spirituality. Mm -hmm. You speak a chant or prayer or spell where you want something to come to pass in your life and you're hoping that when you get done with your session in meditating that it is completed just like you would do in church absolutely you're basically praying wishing hoping believing speaking It, it just depends on how everyone uses it i would speak it into existence in the church i speak it into existence now there's nothing different that's beautifully said. Wonderfully <laughs> encapsulate. I'm gonna have to clip that one. I'm gonna have to make that a quote and like stick it on an inspirational video. <laughs> I'm so serious. Like people, I love I, it. It takes for you to actually research or even be a part of something other than one specific religion. I always tell people expand your mind. We can all learn from each other and you will come to find out how close all of these things are. In church, they used to make us use anointing oil to lay hands on people. And this was olive oil that was prayed for by the pastor. In spirituality, voodoo, hoodoo, um, many of these other religions and spiritual belief systems, they make their own oils connected with essential oils and herbs. And they call that, you know, uh, uh, a specific oil for a specific purpose. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It is. You know, I, I, you can find so much information if you just know what to type into Google, if you can just like. And see, I never used Google. I would use the, I can't say that out loud. I would use a different web um, to, because I, I, I like to do my research in the depths of beyond you know, what's going on in the 2000s. So I used a different type of browser to check for old studies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll accept that as an answer. 
Um, personally, so basically on an everyday basis, I wake up, I connect with the planets, the days of the week, the chakra associated with it, light a candle color. Um, when I'm doing specific prayers and our spells, um, I will, uh, cleanse myself beforehand, uh, dress my candle the way that I would like to dress it and put my intention out there. It's very important when you're doing any spiritual work, whether you are a pastor, preacher, teacher, prophetess, witch, mage, um, whatever you would like to call yourself, high priestess, goddess, um, whatever. It's very important that your intent is in the right place. Because no matter what side of the equator you are working for, be it good, be it bad, um, your intent has to be in the right place. I am the type of person who believes that you have to be a balanced individual. You can't be all light and you can't be all dark. You must find your place in between both um, and learn how to use both your light and your dark in a positive intent uh, to bring forth what you're trying to bring forth. Um, and and I, I believe in that. I believe that you should be a balanced being. So that's, I, that's, that's part of my, you know, routine, you know, the candles, yeah. the connections, reading tarot, reading oracle. Um, and every month I tend to go on a three-day fast. I'll wear white or I will wear gray or black or whatever. Um, and I will eat only vegetables and fruit during that time frame. And I will meditate and connect with the divine. Um, spirituality is a walk for me. It's not a, it's not a fad. It's not new age, which everyone just so happens to really think that every yeah. spiritual person is new age. And it's, it's far from that. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an everyday walk continually for me. Um, and even mm -hmm. when I do readings for people, I always meditate before I do my readings. I always connect mm -hmm. with the divine. I always ask. God, I ask you before I help these people that you give me the ability to help these people through these issues and these questions that they they don't know what to do or where to go. They're lost, they're stuck, they're down, they're out, they need assistance. And I ask you to allow me to truly help these people so that they can have some sort of clarity in their life's questions, situations, concerns, etc. I do that on a consistent basis. I, it's never mm -hmm. about money for me. Um, you know, I only charge for my services because I've paid for my certifications. I've paid for school. I paid for my business licenses. I paid for so many things. Um, and so I, I have to charge for my services because of that. But half of the time, I still do things for free. <laughs> I find the idea of stacking all of those different like correspondences on top of each other it, like the the color of the candle the day of the week the planet of the day you know like I've done some work like that where I don't know it's it's almost just like really exciting to know that you're like in the right astrological time <laughs> at the, at the perfect day of the week and it's like a specific like hour of the planet and like you're calculating mm -hmm. the minutes of like yeah man like it it kind of almost brings an energy to the table that I don't expect like I don't think yes. I bring it myself like maybe I do it's really exciting no no you're right um for me I felt most drawn to throughout all my research you 
And people think that I walk away from my voodoo and hoodoo heritage. And it's not that. It's just I don't feel drawn to giving myself over to any specific deity to be filled by any of these deities. And that's not my, you know, I, I don't feel drawn to that. So that does not mean that I have a problem with my heritage. It's just not for me. Um, right. I feel drawn to working with angels, to working with God, to working with the planets. Everything that was here before there was ever ancestors is what I work with. Um, and that's how I feel because those mm -hmm. entities, you know, you think about it on the earth, we are on the third dimension. Angels are 12 dimensional beings. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that there isn't other spirits, familiars, etc., in between all these other dimensions. It's Absolutely. no way. It, I, I, I just, you, you couldn't talk me against it. However, that does not mean that um, we look against that and, and feel that we must only go through our ancestors. I still believe that that is for someone who is initiated into an ATR mm -hmm. or into a particular religion that works that way. I studied Wicca for some time. They don't believe in demons. They believe in negative and positive energy, um, mm -hmm. the negative and positive forces. I studied Aleister Crowley. I studied, oh my God, uh, <laughs> the Order of the Golden Dawn, the Cult of Isis. I've studied so many you different things. You do like the old books. The old books are yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've studied so much. I've even studied... Um, did Jesus live a hundred BC on the earth? And that was a beautiful book to study. Um, it, it's so much that I've read in my history and that's why I am, I can't say I follow one specific way. I say I follow what works for me and what resonates with me and I use it in my everyday life. And, um, I, I haven't gone wrong yet. And, and I also say, you know, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with changing those practices either. If something oh, no. doesn't work no. for you anymore and you advance to something new, by all means, you should be able to change that. I mean, aren't we in a world where we're supposed to technically have freedom of speech? Uh, we're supposed mm -hmm. to technically have a freedom of religion. Hmm. Yeah. It's in our constitution, uh, I thought. <laughs> somewhere in there, somewhere. And one of the, the the first amendment of the constitution was exactly that, because our forefathers all believed differently. And so there mm -hmm. was to be no specific religion that felt like they were above one of the other, or even the government making any type of religion be the main religion above one or the other. That was in that clause because our forefathers all believed differently. So if they believe yeah. differently, why should one person believe one specific way? Yeah, yeah. I I love the way you just... What was the word you used? Um, unapologetically. You mm -hmm. unapologetically are like, yeah, a lot of people in my place would follow their ancestors. But I just don't feel that. So I'm not no, going to. Like, no, no. And I it doesn't like, mean I don't honor them. I do honor them. Right, right. I even do prayers to have them to, like, to bless them for covering and protecting and making a way for us um, the way that we have now to be able to live and, you know, be at peace. Because yeah, if it wasn't yeah. for them, I, you know, I believe certain spirituality and, and religions and witchcraft and stuff would still be outlawed. So I thank my ancestors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. I 
work with ancestors of blood, which are your blood ancestors, uh, place, which is the land I currently inhabit, and tradition. So mm. I'm sure you've heard that kind of yes, thing laid out before. And so that's just what works for me because, you know, there's a whole part of my family I'm very cut off from. And, and I don't really feel like those ancestors are people I want to, I want to connect with at all. Exactly. And so, you know, I feel way more connected to whoever planted that tree in my backyard, but like, you know, I, I, I might as well thank them for that. You know, I got a nice tree now. Like it's mm -hmm. you, I think everybody can do it in such a way that it's so unique and so beautiful just not giving a single fuck what anybody else says yes. just following what feels right for you and why yes. is that like controversial why do we have to it's controversial because in religion religion is so <laughs> did i ask the wrong question <laughs> no 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 so i've had this talk before and I tend to have these discussions on my um, page often. And, you know, they, they don't like me for it all the time. But do you know what the root word of religion is? I do not. So the root word of religion, the root meaning of religion, and this is an etymology. And so this is something that any person can look up. And what etymology mean is the evolution of a word uh, throughout history. So the original meaning it was before it came to what it is today. Um, mm -hmm. And so the original um, root word for religion is uh, religion, which is French, and it goes all the way to the word in Latin, which is religio um, and religiare. Um, G-A-R-E, uh, which means uh, good faith. And it also has a meaning of to tie fast, to tie down. Um, and the root word of spirituality is spiritus, which is Latin. Um, and that is the breath of life. Okay. Mm. And so when I look at those definitions, I realize that religion is more of not necessarily to tie you down like the old word meant, but it's more about structure and it's more about following mm -hmm. one specific way and one specific path. And that's it. And spirituality, meaning the breath of life to me feels like, okay, it's an openness. It's an, it's an opportunity to expand and really learn beyond what you see on the surface so that's how i look at spirituality versus religion in my journey of being a better person i went through it i was negative i was pessimistic i was there was so many things that i went through experienced and did and once i began to heal all of the deep dark portions of me that was sad hurt frustrated disgruntled once i healed all of that there was nothing negative about me anymore. Um, and if I ever caught any moments to where I seemed negative, I would immediately start speaking better over my life and over myself to make sure that I'm not acting in those same old ways that are unhealthy for, you know, my life's path. That's a beautiful answer. I really respect that. So I'd like to ask you if um, you tend to specialize in certain things with your spiritual life coaching uh, that you do? Um, 
So I would say, if I had to say that I have a specialization, negative energy blocks. I don't charge people astronomical amounts of money. Um, I let them go on my website and customize their sessions. So um, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, all the way up to mm-hmm. three hours, whatever they feel they need. If they need a, rins- a reading, a cleansing, um, they want to talk about, you know, maybe spell work or, you know, um, just a coaching. Maybe they need help in their life and truly connecting to the divine, et cetera. You know, they can set that up the way that they would like to on my website and let me know what they need. Um, But I specialize very deeply in chakras and energy um, and negativity clearing and cleansing. When you are on your path in life, you're on your journey. When you feel lost, sometimes you need a bit of a boost, whether it be therapy, life coaching, church, whatever it is, spirituality, whatever. And it's, it's important for us to get out of a negative mindset in any area of our life if we're going to be able to succeed. So I specialize in that mostly because I help people to get out of negative areas in their life. Some are crying, some are in pain, some are frustrated, you know? Some are in tears, some have lost loved ones, some have almost off themselves. So many variables. Right. And there are truly people out there who really need help. So I I work specifically in that area because it's needed so that people can elevate whatever way they feel is best for them to elevate. I wish more people would do it no matter what religion you're in, no matter what spirituality you're in. Um, One of the reasons I know I specialize very deeply in that is because I rid myself of the negative energy, the negative spirits, the negative emotions associated with myself, and I had no help. It was just me, God, and my research. Mm -hmm. So I'm very powerful in that area, and I can tell you if the negative lies with you or if the negative lies around you. So I would definitely say I specialize in that. Chakras. And also Tara. I can read Tara like the back of my hand. I don't need the definitions. I I sense I'm one of those weird people because I'm very intuitive. If I start doing, I can start talking to you on the phone and sense what the situation situation is about. Or uh, we can do a Zoom and you can begin to ask me a question and I'm intuitively listening as to why and what is associated with what. And walking down people's entire lives, even describing people um, that I sense and see as I'm doing readings. And um, I think that's the most scary part for me when I start describing people, because I'm like, um, God, can you do me a favor? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind going deep and really telling you know someone something, but uh, when you start describing people with glasses and hair and nails and how they look and this, that, and the third, and people are confirming that this is exactly this specific person, <laughs> We got to talk, guys. (laughs) I've had it happen a few times on live. And each time it happened, the recording got messed up. And I was like, good. I got, yes. It's not on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's your little gift. Like, well, like, I want you to do the thing. But like, here, now, now it's gone. It's gone. (laughs) 
that's exactly what I looked at it as because I laughed yeah. so hard when the recording was missing for a second time. I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> I usually say, uh, you know, when, when you get so many people who say like, how do I know if it's a sign? How do I know? How do I know? And I don't, I don't teach people. I'm not a coach. I'm not anything like that. But my personal rule is if you ask for it, if you and like like for a specific sign, if you ask for a specific sign and you see it once, we'll say, whoa, hold up, think about that, try again. If if you're really, really there, try again. And if you see it twice, cool. That for me, that would be enough to say, like, this is something I should look into. Exactly. Exactly. But if I don't ask for a sign, if I don't ask for a sign and I see something and like intuitively, I'm like, there's something about that. I have to see it three times. That's my rule. Like, like if I didn't ask for it. So I'm when like, I'm maybe- doing my chants and stuff, my favorite numbers is three and seven. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as someone on the path to uh, a counseling degree, it's, it, that is a very relatable sentiment. But Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm glad that more people are getting counseling and therapy degrees and life coaching. Um, being a spiritual life coach is kind of like being a counselor, except for without the uh, uh, government counselor title. Um, mm-hmm. So it's an it's a form of unconventional type of therapy, but it's not really sanctioned as therapy by the United States government or you know internationally. Still needed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very needed. And, and that's, I mean, if to be totally wide open, honest with you, that's why I started looking into what is it like to be a spiritual life coach? You know, cause you know, it makes me question like, what if that is something I want to try? What if that is something I want to do? And this is my way of like finding people who are like-minded, finding people who do this and, and, you know, seeing through their eyes and, and, feeling out like is that something right for me is that something right for me in the future way in the future or you know and i i don't ever like to write my future plans in stone i'm i'm very much the kind of person who will say i've got goals but the universe is just doing what it wants and i go with the flow just let it flow you have to know what your path is so on your journey if you believe your path on this earth in this timeline is meant to help people, you want to find that way that best resonates with you. For me, spiritual life coaching resonated with me more than being a first lady, more than being a pastor's wife, more than being under a rule or sector sector or sanction that says, this is the narrative that we hold for this particular thing. And this is exactly what you should be doing. And if not, you're going to hell. Um, for me, spiritual life coaching resonated more with me because what I do is I build the journey different for everyone. If someone feels connected to following a different path, I help them to find that. If someone feels connected to animals, I help them to find that. If they feel connected to, uh, Egyptian magic or spirituality or Greek or whatever it is. I help them to find that because it's about your walk and your path in life and what resonates with you. And uh, when you transcend off of this earth, before you transcend, you want to live a life that you're proud of. 
you want to live a life that was meaningful to you. Um, that was the most amazing experience that you could live on this earth. And you want to live it in a fulfillment type of way that says, I'm proud of me and I'm thankful for what I was able to do to help others. Why do I say I'm thankful for what I was able to do to help others? On this earth, we should all be doing our best to help as many as we can. We should, we're here to serve and there isn't many people who, who does that. What do you see most of the rich people doing? Some of them give back, but do all of them give back after they got their millions? Right. Not really. Not unless they want a tax break. (laughs) (laughs) But do you actually see people helping to change the minds of many? Or do you see people forcing people down a narrative? So you just have to find what works for you. And life coaching is fulfilling for me because I, I I see myself helping people um, uh, people continue to tell me that I'm, I'm very accurate. I do this. I say this. I'm really, they like that. I don't sugarcoat. I'm not going to fluff their fancy. Um, I'm not that type of person because fluffing your fancy isn't going to help you. Sugarcoating isn't going to help you. Telling you what you want to hear for money isn't going to help you. Change and knowing the truth starts from within that's what's going to help you because it's going to make you think it's going to make you reevaluate it's going to make you realize that you're either going to be stuck where you are or you're going to make yourself change it's the only two options because the giving up option went out the window long ago we can't be given up so you got one or two options and I help people to figure that out. And I, yeah. that's why life coaching, spiritual life coaching is so fulfilling to me um, because it's my way, but it's yet the best way to help people. And it's still mm-hmm. yet open and continually growing and changing in a vast way. Yes. In a beautiful way. Yes. So ultimately while you're doing your degree, look into life coaching and then you can also make it a form of therapy because you will have that degree Mm -hmm. as a counselor and look into it because you have the ability to help many you've just been shy to go out there and put yourself out there um you've been shy for many reasons but you know that you have the ability to help. You know that you have the tools. You know that you've done the research. You've had the experiences. There's so many things that you can help people on. And you want to help people on those things and connect spirituality to it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Yeah. You'll, you'll definitely find your path. And in closing, I guess all I really have to ask is in your current life on this earth, what is it that you think you are meant to do? Like, what is your purpose and how do you work toward that? You know, ultimately in this current life, I know I might have stated a few things earlier, but I will bring it together as a whole. 
I am meant to help people and I'm meant to help people in the most unique way by expanding the mind, by expanding their consciousness, by understanding their mind, understanding their consciousness, understanding everything around them inside and out so that they can be the best version of self in this timeline that they can possibly be without any holds without any bars, without any prerequisites that says it has to be this specific way. I'm here to help. I'm here to heal. I'm here to empower. I'm here to change. I'm always going to fight for religious freedom, freedom of speech, and all of those things because we have the right to follow our path, our way, that resonates with us. And I'm going to help every person that I possibly can do exactly that and change the course of their reality by first changing themselves. And working towards that, I stay honest and I stay genuine. You don't have to continue to be shy, sweetheart. Okay. You have it in you. And I I know you're shy because of things that you went through because of the past, because of a lot of past hurt, a lot of past pain, some traumas you've experienced, um, some ways that you used to be ridiculed and talked about in the past. And let that fuel you to be a better version of you and don't give a fuck with anyone. All right. I just want to say thank you so much, Cece, for coming in and and doing that with us, you know, even in this post-editing uh, process. I think this was a very original, very unique interview. And, of course, there were some things that came up that we weren't all great about. Some of us might not have cared, but I'm sure there are some people who are a little sensitive to some of the things that were spoken about and there's nothing wrong with that sensitive is okay sensitive is definitely okay just a real quick um couple of things i don't believe it's fair to say things as if medication would turn you into a vegetable. I don't think that's very um, inclusive or or fair or right or um, understanding at all. I am of the belief, you know, you all know me. I believe in therapy and I do believe that for some people medication is a great option. Medication can make you the person you were supposed to be. You know, there are, there are medications out there that will eliminate your anxiety attacks. Those anxiety attacks are not a part of who you are. It's okay to get rid of them. Now, of course, if you take a medication and it does make you feel like a vegetable or very sedated, very you know, please go to your doctor and tell them because there are hundreds there are so many medications we you will not run out anytime soon 
of options for medication as far as any kind of psychiatric disorder goes. You know, some more so than others. But, you know, I just, if I'm going to be really honest with all of you, that statement hurt me. That statement did offend me. It did because, you know, I take medication for a host of physical problems, but I also take quite a bit of medication for mental issues. If I laid out everything that I took on a daily basis, most people would be shocked. Most people would not believe that that is a healthy amount of medication. But what I have found is that while sometimes medication can be sedating for the first couple weeks you take it, it can also, you know, make you feel a hundred times better at the end of those two weeks. If you have heard of a medication that has a stigma, I've probably taken it. And, you know, there are very, very, I can only think of two different medications that were ever, you know, really bad for me. And, you know, here I am, a 30-year-old who started taking medication when she was 15. That's, that's a long time. That's literally half my life. Yes, half my life. I've been taking more than one medication for my psychiatric disorders. I've had physical disorder medication longer than that. And I am a functioning and I'm honestly beautiful, lovely, friendly, understanding, personable, very energetic at times, very able to connect on a deep level with people, you know, the days I don't take my medication, which is only about once a month when I forget, I don't feel great. I don't feel like the clouds are suddenly lifting and I'm, I'm finally enlightened. No, I feel like shit guys. <laughs> and it's because my medications work. So whether you're pro medication whether you're anti-medication, whether you're neutral or confused or any of those things, that does not matter to me at all. I respect how you feel about how you take care of your body, and I would hope that I would receive the same respect. So in the future, hopefully we don't run into any more... Uh, unkind statements such as that. One last thing before our nice little outro. I swear somewhere in this episode, there was a statement about um, people being the cause of their own suffering. Basically, um, the things you go through are brought on by your own actions. I did listen to it again um, in small chunks to see if I could find that so I could, you know, kind of put in one of these trigger type warning things. I could not find it. So whether I imagined it in the first place or if I just couldn't find it, um, I want you to know that if, if you were a victim of something, that is not your fault. 
if you were a victim of any kind. Now, maybe, maybe you could have some really, really bad karma. But I think karma is kind of thought of in the wrong sense. When we, when generally normal day-to-day spiritual people talk about karma, they're, I don't really agree with the definition. So in my personal life, karma doesn't work like that. Also, there are unspeakable horrors done to children in this world every day. There are people who are just born in a country where, where they are poor, in a family where they have no money, to teenage parents who end up being homeless and, and having to give up the child. And like, there's so many things that are just uncontrollable and horrible for people. And this is not to bring you down. This is to say, you didn't cause that. You didn't do that. That was something I believe is, uh, or could be, part of a soul contract. And I don't want to dive deep on this. This is a whole different topic. But the idea of soul contracts and just your fate or destiny or whatever you want to call it, plus karma and, and all of those things that we kind of look toward as, as a spiritual group of people f- for being, you know, why do bad things happen? I am soon going to do a podcast on why it is victim blaming in the manner of saying, well, you just have bad karma or you made a bad decision once you did this one bad thing. Now you have to live with this unspeakable act of horror that was acted upon you for the rest of your life. That's not right. We shouldn't be doing that. Please don't do that. If that's how you feel, don't say that to people who are hurting. You know, if you have any compassion in your heart, don't do that to victims. Okay, I know that was a lot. It was a lot for me too. I think at this point, I have nothing left to say. I've said it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. Been there. (laughs) Um, So, you know, all of you guys, remember, I'm here, Alice Strange, at Magic in the Mind Podcast. May you always be well, be kind, and may your curiosities for this world never fade. See you in the next one.